Well, today we are on week six of going through the letters to the seven churches as found in Revelation. We're talking about the church of Philadelphia today, but before I go there, I just want to let you know that, that my daughter came up to me the other day, uh, a few weeks ago now, and she's, she's 18 years old. She's graduating, actually, this Friday in a parking lot of Gunstock, the, the Gunstock's parking lot. And, and, you know, who would ever think that our, our seniors have to go through what they've gone through in these crazy times? So kudos to our seniors. Give it up to our seniors. But she came up to me and she goes, Dad, what did you think if I got a tattoo? Now, she knows what I think about tattoos. But I think as her, she's growing, she's a young woman and she's becoming independent and making her own decisions and she's processing some of these decisions and I think she still wanted to know my thought. Today, I'm actually going to be talking about what does God think about tattoos. I know a lot of people have them. But does, what does God think about them? You know, and, and for my daughter, I gave this response. I said, um, I hope you never get one. And, and, I, and I probably was a little bit stronger and said, I'd be really disappointed if you got one. And then I had to actually go back and think a little bit and say, okay, was that a God response or is that my preference? Today, we're going to talk about what does God think about tattoos. And you're thinking, how does that actually relate to this letter that, that Jesus gives this church in modern-day Turkey, Philadelphia? So are tattoos wrong? What does God say about tattoos? Well, we're going to get there. But this church of Philadelphia that Jesus writes this letter to was, uh, again, a city in modern-day Turkey... The city was named after Atlas Philadelphus. And he was the king of Pergamum, which we already had a letter to the church in Pergamum. Uh, and he built the city of Philadelphia, interestingly enough. So there's this great little church here, Jesus following church in the city of Philadelphia that, that this letter through, through John is written. So like all these letters, there's some, I'm going to just highlight some of those things. Who Jesus is. The things that Jesus says is like, you're doing a great job, church. Keep it up. And then here's some things I need to bring some correction. Here's some things you need to work on. So let's start there. Who is Jesus? So you're going to be in Revelation. If you have your Bibles or if you're watching on the live.gcc, you're going to actually have that scripture put up for you. Um, you can reference it through there. But Revelation chapter 3 is where we're going to be starting in verse 7. It says, and to the angel to the church in Philadelphia write, the words of the Holy One, the true one, the one who has the key of David, who opens and who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. It's interesting that Jesus is referenced this way. So what does this mean? The one who who owns the keys of David or holds the keys of David. It's actually another reference to Isaiah chapter 22, verse 22. But, but Matthew, in his gospel, he calls Jesus the son of David. Interestingly enough, David does come out of the lineage of King David. Jesus comes out of the lineage of King David. And here he has holding keys. Keys represent the authority. 
If they're talking about like people who had keys to the city, right? So if you had a key to open up the treasury, you had the authority to do it. When that door is closed, you're not getting in. When it's open, the door is open. And here it is. Jesus is the one who has the ultimate authority to open things and to close things. One, you need to think about that because he's going to actually address the church of Philadelphia and basically says, I see these good things that you're doing and I've created an open door for you that nobody can shut. Some of you need to hear that this morning, that Jesus is creating an open door for you that nobody will shut. Then he says, he says this, the one who opens and shuts things is the one, again, who has this power. And, and I think we need to understand that when we live our lives for Jesus, we should be expecting him to open things for us and to close things for us. It's a way that God guides and steers our lives. It's very practical in that way, but he has the ultimate authority. Then he moves into these are the things that, that he's saying, that um, what he has for this church but what he commends for this church. He says, I know your works. And when he says, I know your works, remember we talked about this, that he sees everything that you do. He sees everything that you do and he's seeing the works of this church and he's commending them for that. And he says, here's the promise though. He's, he's commending them for their good works and he says, and I've placed an open door says, behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. When we are on Jesus' side, when we live for him, when we work for him, there's certain things that he opens up for us that doesn't matter what the circumstances are in the world. The ultimate authority rests with Jesus. And when he opens something, he opens it and nobody else can shut it. So then he goes on to say this. So because of their patient endurance, and how many people have been kind of like patiently enduring these times, these COVID-19 times, right? I'm grateful that we're having a conversation of like, okay, how do we get this church open back up? And we still have to be patient. We still have to be patient. There's some details to work out, but, but I'm grateful. But, but not everything's opened up. It was my anniversary uh, on Friday, and it was so great to be able to go to an outdoor restaurant, and it was so nice to actually kind of feel like, hey, this kind of feels normal. What's normal these days, though, right? But he commends them for their patient endurance, and then he promises them, because they've been patiently enduring, this is what he says, he will keep them from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world. And by the way, doesn't it feel like there's an hour of trial on the whole world? But he keeps them from that. In other words, I, I'm, you're not going to lose your peace. You're not going to lose your way. You're not going to be overcome by the pressures of these trials. Now, I'm not saying this is the ultimate trial. I'll tell you what, when the tribulation happens whether you're a pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib person, if we're going to go through some trials here, we have to patiently endure. But the interesting thing, he says, do not just you patiently endured, but you patiently endured by keeping his word. I have to tell you, when trials come, where do you go? Do you go, you, do you go into modes of like self-destruction? Do you go into modes of complacency? Do you go into modes of 
hey, uh, I just need to medicate myself because I don't like the feeling? Or do you press into him and get into his word and you faithfully endure to what his word says to us? Don't worry, I'm getting to tattoos here in a moment. I thought it's just important to get this place. And then here it says that Jesus is coming back soon. He tells the church he's coming back soon. Well, that's like 2,000 years ago. What soon mean? I'll tell you what, we need to be living every day like Jesus is returning. And when we do, he says he's coming like a thief in the night. We don't know when he's coming. But when we do, if we live every day ready for his return, guess what? We're ready, right? We're ready. Then this is what he says that he has against them. He says, some of you who call yourself Jews, uh, you're fakes in essence. He says, you're living a certain way on the outside, but I see the inside. So if you call yourself something, why don't your actions and your beliefs or your actions and your beliefs match up? I would say for us as Christians, right? And maybe you're watching this and and you're not a Christian yet. Please give your life to Jesus. You just have to ask him into your heart. Ask him into your life. Ask him to be the Lord of your life. But as a follower of Jesus, if you believe it, your actions should actually have evidence to the fact that you believe it. Otherwise, you're living a fake life, right? You're you're pretending that you're living a certain way, but on your inside, you're not. Jesus had some things to say about them. And here the Jews at the time, they were actually persecuting the Christians. And he was basically saying, you you say you believe in God, you, you Jews, but yet... You don't even act like God would act, right? So, so they're not matching up. I think today we can look at that with regards to the protests. And I would actually say the rioting. It's one thing to have righteous anger. It's another thing to create destruction on somebody else's property and destruction on somebody's, somebody else. I, I don't, you, you cross the line. I think that's the spirit of the Antichrist. I think the spirit of Christ is call out the injustice, Yes, you can even protest, say that is not right, but have to know where those limits are because, because it, we can easily go to the way, way the rest of the world is and just like get all riotous on the inside and feel justified by it. It is not godly. Then it goes on to this. It says, hold fast so nobody will steal your crown. Okay, the crown represents authority. And he's saying hold fast So nobody will steal it, which means if we're not holding fast, somebody can steal it. What does that mean for you? That means that Jesus has intended for us to live with great authority. But if we're not careful, the world, people can pull on us and actually steal that from us to the place that we no longer have a standing with Jesus in a way that we've been designed to have, the authority that we have in Christ Jesus. It might be compromise. It might be the world's influenced us to move us away from Jesus. And he says, be cautious, hold fast. Some of you need to hear that word today. Hold fast, hold fast, don't let go. It's almost like you're contending for, like somebody's trying to take it. No, 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 you can't take it. It's mine, hold fast, hold fast. Then he says, those who overcome, I'll make you a pillar in the temple of God. Okay, I love that. He says that when we hold fast, right? When we overcome, 
when we don't allow somebody to steal that for us, that he will make us a pillar. What does a pillar do? It's, it, it, it's a supporting structure. It holds up. It's, uh, it's visual, right? People will notice. And they'll realize that, that, that you're strong. That you can hold up under the weight of things. And he says, I'll make you a pillar in the temple of God. And he says, I will never leave and you will never leave the temple of God. But here we go. Here we go on to the little bit of the tattoo theme here for a moment. In Revelation 3.12, it says this. And I will write on him the name of my God. And I will write on him. Jesus saying, and I will write on him. Is Jesus a tattoo artist? Okay. We're not going there yet. I want to talk about this for a moment, this whole idea of writing on you. And it relates to tattooing, this whole idea of our bodies being marked. In Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10, you'll see that um, on your screen. It's linked also to Jeremiah 31, 33. These scriptures are the same. I believe the writer in Hebrews is quoting from Jeremiah 31. It says, for this is the covenant that, this is the Hebrew scripture. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days decrees the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds and write them, tattoo them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. There, there's something about tattooing that has to do with ownership. That has to do with um, so when we get to the scripture that talks about what does the Bible say about tattooing, there is a scripture there, but understand this ownership principle for a moment. The idea is that God wants to seal us, that he wants to, our lives to be so ingrained in his that we give him permission to write his laws in our mind and on our hearts, to give us a name into our hearts. And there, actually in Revelation, he starts to introduce the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven. That's after the millennial reign with Jesus as the central ruler. And he says, anybody who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying. The Spirit of God is speaking to us. Okay, what about tattoos? Here we go. You've been waiting for this one. What does God think and say about tattoos? And the worship team can come back at this moment so Leviticus chapter 19, if anybody has told you that um, tattoos are a sin, if tattoos are not godly, they're probably taking it from this verse. Leviticus 19, 28, it says this, do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourself. Well, you have to understand what this literally means. If you go back to the original um, Hebrew language, it basically says this, and the cutting for your dead you will not make in your flesh, and the writing marks you will not make on you, I am the Lord. So this writing really does mean inscriptions, symbols, engravings. These marks are, um, are, are markings that would, stay, that would stay on the body, let me just tell you, in that time that that was written, first of all, the word tattoo is not a, a word until it came into the 17th century. So that wouldn't have been in the original um, connotation or context. All it means is markings. Remember what we talked about when Jesus was talking about tattooing our minds and our hearts? 
He's really talking about ownership, of just saying, you've given your life over to something. This idea about the markings back in the time it was done, people would put um, markings on their body so much so that they would scar and leave a permanent mark. And, and they would mark themselves in such a way by either scars or uh, visual tattoos that would talk about ownership. If you had this, you belonged to a certain uh, tribe, cult, it became very, actually, most of that was done through paganism. And it really represented ownership that you belonged to that sect of whatever. And he's saying, don't act like the pagans and take on those, that, that, those customs of that ownership, of those markings on your body and those scarrings. Because that's not who you belong to is what God was saying in there. So if you are thinking about a tattoo or you've already been tattooed, one, I want you to think before you ink, right? (laughs) Think before you ink. In other words, here's a great way to kind of put this through a filter. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this. So whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you do in life, do it for the glory of God. I would say tattoos, that's something between you and God. I don't believe the Bible makes a strong enough case to say that you shouldn't get a tattoo. That's my opinion. I don't see it there. So I leave that to your discretion between you and God. But one tattoo I want you to get, I want everybody to get this tattoo. You ready? I want you to allow Jesus to tattoo your heart. I want Jesus to tattoo your heart. I want his his ways tattooed on your mind. That whenever you think of things, you're thinking about him and his word. I think when you're thinking about life, you're thinking about what does God think about that? Because I so love him. He's so tattooed on my heart that, that I just want to do the things that please him. God is the best tattooer. He's the best tattoo artist. And I think when you look at what tattoos represent, it does represent ownership. And he wants to own our hearts. He wants to own our lives, not control, not demean, not put down. He wants us to be in a love relationship with him so he can provide great things for us. But we, as his children, submit ourselves to him and say, God, I give my life to you. Tattoo my heart. Tattoo my heart. I was, uh, years ago, great friends, uh, the Yurkas, who are missionaries in Honduras, had a great ministry in a very, very, very dangerous Um, prison in Honduras. It was a high, high security prison and yet they were allowed access to be um, in contact with these prisoners. These prisoners were from the 18th Street Gang. A lot of them were transported from LA, um, uh, not transported, but 
basically deported back to their country. These guys had 666 tattooed on their forehead, on their necks. These were violent murderers, and yet they had given their life to Jesus. And they weren't defined by their tattoos any longer. They were defined by the tattoo, their external tattoos, but they were defined on the internal tattoo of Jesus' words on their heart. That Jesus had tattooed their heart where they were passionate. And these, were, these were guys that were now gentlemen. As I would bring a youth group into the prison, And I saw the transformation that only the power of Jesus can do. Talking about what no, when Jesus opens a door, no man can shut. Jesus opened a door for these men into the kingdom of God. Didn't matter what it looked like on the outside. Actually, Jesus can't stand sometimes what looks on the outside. He really cares about was what, what he sees in the heart. I want to encourage you today doesn't matter what is on the outside. You might already be tattooed up. If you've never gotten a tattoo, I don't say go out and run and get one today. I'm saying take it to Jesus, but whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. But I would say this, there's nothing more powerful than allowing Jesus to tattoo your heart. Your life will be forever, ever changed. And where he's giving a warning to this church, he says, don't let people steal your crown. Don't let people take you away from the purpose that I have for you. And the way we do it is let him write on our hearts and our minds. His love for us. His love for us. So what does God think about tattoos? I think God's crazy about tattoos, especially the tattoo that he wants to put on your heart. Welcome to Church Online. My name is Pastor Mark, and I just want to say thank you for taking the time to join us in watching our services online. Maybe you can't be at our location today and you're watching this from home or on the road. We just want to say thank you for tuning in. And maybe you can't get to a physical location at Grace Capital Church, then this becomes part of your regular routine to do church live on your computer or on your device. We want to say, Invite some friends with you. Do church together. Life is so much better together and discovering what God has for us is meant to be done in community. Gather people together and enjoy these services for weeks to come. Thank you for watching.